we actually need to look at the, the negative dimensions of difference as well as the positive and the celebratory. And one example which we could look at now is the example of the murder of Stephen Lawrence and the McPherson report, which was produced five years after Stephen Lawrence's murder. And as a result of the murder, this inquiry found that there was evidence of very negative, profound racism within the contemporary UK. At the heart of it all is the new definition of institutionalised racism. It is, the report says... The collective failure of an organisation to provide appropriate and professional service to people because of their colour, culture and ethnic origin. It can be unwitting and thoughtless prejudice and stereotyping which disadvantages ethnic communities. The report talks about institutionalised racism. This is a term that you could argue that the McPherson report actually put onto the public agenda. It's one with which we've been more familiar in social science for some time. What's involved here, Stuart? How do you understand this? Well, just uh, to go back for a minute to the uh, previous discussion, you'll remember that the definition of institutional racism, which the McPherson report gives, talks about disadvantage to people because of their colour, culture and ethnic origin. So you see McPherson here is taking up the notion that people can be disadvantaged both because of their so-called race and because of their ethnic identities. Now, the nature of institutional racism, we mustn't confuse institutional racism with racism. There are many kinds of racism, ordinary racism, people simply don't want to have anything to do with people of another colour or another culture and so on. Institutional racism is a very particular form of racism. It's racism which arises not only within an institution, like the police or the education system, but it's racism which has become part of the way in which that institution actually functions. It's a kind of normal way of functioning of the institution is to function in a racist way towards racially different or ethnically different groups. And McPherson found that in the way in which the Metropolitan Police handled the murder of Stephen Lawrence in South London, that it was not only professionally negligent, but the reason is because it held a particular definition of the situation that had occurred which did not permit them to acknowledge the racial dimension. And because they didn't acknowledge the racial dimension, they missed certain clues. And as a consequence of that, they didn't follow it up in certain ways. And indeed, they treated the other boy who was along with Stephen Lawrence in the attack, Dwayne Brooks, in a very different way because he was black. That's what the report found. Now, what do they mean by saying this is lodged in the institution? It means that you can't pinpoint Mr. X is a racist person with racist beliefs personally because this say policeman or policewoman may live next door to West Indians love to eat curry on Saturday nights like to dance to reggae go to Nottingham Carnival the point is as a policeman or policewoman if they're on a street in South London dark street in South London and see a boy of 17 who's black carrying a hold all their immediate assumption is that he must have stolen something and there must be something stolen in the bag this is a, an assumption which is then passed around within the institution from one person to another, from one level to another. And it's very difficult to get hold of and smoke it out because people will say, 
I'm not a racist. I'm just doing what I would think of as good policing. This is how you police. You see a suspicious character and you pick them up. The problem to explain is why they pick up more black kids on the street, many, many more of them, than they pick up white kids in similar circumstances. Clearly, there's something systematic going on here, and it has to do with the nature of the institution. Now, as it happens... This mindset of the institutions is one of the things that social science research has brought to the attention of the public over 20 years. There have been many, many ethnographic studies, people working within the police forces who have noticed this existence of anti-black stereotypes among policemen and policewomen. But it has never been taken seriously politically until the Lawrence event and the McPherson report actually plucked this concept out of the social science literature and said, we think this is what is going on in this case. This is what explains why the police were unable to see that this was a racial incident and why they made mistakes in therefore in trying to follow it up. And how can we get rid of this kind of institutional racism within the various areas of British society? It could be argued that McPherson does represent something of a turning point because this is actually at least public recognition of, as you say, some of the work that social scientists have been doing over the last 20 or so years. This report has had impact on the government and this might indeed suggest ways in which we might make changes. We're going to hear about the impact of the McPherson report upon the Home Secretary, Jack Straw. The inquiry process has revealed some fundamental truths about the nature of our society, about our relationships one with another. Some of these truths are uncomfortable, but we have to confront them. I can announce to the House that we shall be extending the Race Relations Act not just to cover the police, as the report recommends, but to cover all of the public services. The new law will allow the Commissioner for Racial Equality to investigate what is happening within individual police forces and other public services. This sounds as if there is some recognition of the extremes of bad practice and of institutionalised racism in particular. What do you think are the ways in which it is possible to resist institutionalised racism, for example, at the level of collective action or at the level of government? Clearly, the government has responded in some way. The revision of the Race Relations Act is an important thing, but I just pause on that to remind you that until now, the police have not been covered by the Race Relations Act. We've had the Race Relations Act for many years, but the police have been exempt from it. So this is just tidying up, as it were, something from the past. If you're talking about institutional racism, you're talking about the big institutions of society, the police and the criminal justice system, the health service, the education service, and so on. So the first thing to do, and McPherson makes this point very clearly, that though the question has arisen in relation to the police, which is a very particular area, after all, the police impose justice on the society and have the power to lock us up. So it's very important there shouldn't be racism there. But it's true of other parts of the society too. And we haven't seen how the education system or higher education or the health service is going to respond to this. So we're just at the beginning of the process of seeing what the impact of this recognition of institutional racism is going to be right across the board. One certainly important point is this. 
there has to be a shift, it seems to me, from a lot of the legislation we've had in the past, which has principally been negative. It says you shouldn't have racial discrimination. What we need is a statutory obligation on public authorities to advance cultural diversity and equality. That's a different thing. That puts it much more positively. It puts an onus on the managers and the executives of all public delivery services to have policies which actually promote equality and diversity. Now, once you do that, especially with the current government, which has a what you might like to call a managerial approach to inducing change in government, well, what that means is that you would require a kind of statement from each of these authorities about how this requirement statutorily to advance cultural diversity and racial equality is going to be executed within the range of the institutions. And you'd have to set some targets, you know, greater recruitment of ethnic minorities to the police, less uh, stop-and-search arrests of black kids, fewer black children who are sent out of school, a much lower proportion of black young men who are diagnosed as schizophrenic in the mental services, a whole series of targets. Then you would have to have a kind of public audit. You know, our audit and regulatory authorities would have to go through this in a fine-tooth comb and say... You said over a year you were going to do the following things. Has it happened? You should hold management responsible, as you do in the public sector and the private sector. Hold them responsible for targets around racial equality and cultural diversity. And if they don't add up to their targets and their promises after a year or two and after a public debate about the results of that audit, you do have to have the costs of it. Personally, I must say that after the Lawrence report, I was surprised that the Metropolitan Police commissioner wasn't asked to resign. It has nothing to do with him personally. He's not a racist person at all. But just as you have cabinet responsibility, your senior executive must take responsibility for the failures of your organization to produce a more culturally diverse policy. And the same thing needs to happen in recruitment in the higher civil service, in entry to higher education, in school exclusions, you know, right through the society. Its institutions need to be publicly audited and accountable for a shift of direction towards diversity. Does that mean that the only possibility of change, the only possibility of resistance, is through agency at the level of the institution? I know we've been talking about institutional racism, but what about agency resistance at the level of collectively or or for individuals even? Yes, of course it doesn't mean that that is the only important level, although where institutional racism is concerned, I'm convinced that unless you have legislative, managerial and governmental initiatives of a very dramatic kind, you won't bring about, induce the kind of culture change within institutions that you need. But that only comes about if you have a public that's alerted to that. I mean, if you take the Lawrence case, these events were kept on the boil by... Mr. and Mrs. Lawrence themselves, the parents, were dissatisfied with the treatment that the case had had in the police, and secondly, by a small number of people who monitor the behaviour of the police in relation to race. And if those people hadn't stuck out very unpopularly and uh, mobilised around that issue and insisted that there was an internal inquiry and then insisted the internal inquiry was not adequate, that there should be a public inquiry and finally got one, we wouldn't know any of what we know 
about the Lawrence case, and there wouldn't have been anything like a public inquiry of the McPherson report. So unless there is public mobilization, not to think that Britain will drift easily into a sort of multicultural diversity and everybody will love it, because that is certainly not what the Lawrence case suggests. It suggests that there are deep pockets of resistance to multiculturalism and cultural diversity just alongside the changes we've been talking about. So you need a big shift to really move the society more self-consciously into producing a really culturally diverse society in the 21st century. And that will need people at the ground, especially in civil society and community organizations, to be much more alert in what is happening in their institutions and to bring that to public attention and put the political squeeze on the government to legislate and make their institutional clout work. It's agency through structures, isn't it? It's the way in which people exercise agency, possibly collectively, in order to change structures and to resist the constraints of those structures. Yes, indeed. Agency and structure are analytic concepts which we need to distinguish between levels of activity. But actually, of course, in the real world, they always interact. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.